Hey there, this is What the Riff, a podcast that takes you back to riff and reminisce about the days of old, that old time rock and roll. We're going to share a few songs off an album of the month from the 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s with some individual staff picks and a little more. You're going to hear some well-known favorites along with a few deeper cuts that may re-inspire you. If you hear something you haven't heard in a while, or if it's totally new to you, visit our website, whattheriff.com, and you can download these songs to your playlist. We hope you enjoy the riffs and are riffing about them on What the Riff, brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and also Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So for now, enjoy this episode of What the Riff? Larry Walters, using a lawn chair and 42 helium balloons, rose to 16,000 feet. The Atlanta Braves removed Chief Nakahoma to make room for more seats, and a helicopter crashes into the stars of the movie The Twilight Zone. This is 1982 July, and we are What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. And today we are spotlighting an album, and someone else around here has it, and I think it is... It's Rob. The same name as Robert Plant. And this is his debut album on his own, Pictures at 11. This album was released in June of 1982, and it hit number five on Billboard 100 in July of 1982, and that's the month we're featuring on What the Riff. This was about two years after the death of John Bonham. Of course, that's what ended Led Zeppelin. Robert Plant put this band together, and there's some pretty decent people on his in his uh, band here. One you may not have been familiar with, I wasn't sure about it, but playing the drums, who's one of the most known drum players? Phil Collins. Yeah, Phil Collins. Is it really? Yeah, mm-hmm. Phil Collins played drums can, on this. You know, I can hear that. It's got the Phil Collins feel to it. Mm-hmm. Well, Phil Collins did play with Led Zeppelin as they did the reunion in Live Aid. Right. Oh, so he sure flew did. back. He flew back on the no, Concord. 1985. Yeah, 1985. He, he flew the Concord back, and mm-hmm. actually, uh, because he played both in the England version, and then he came back into this one, and he played drums on, on this. You know, I recently watched that. And I think the euphoria was so great that they were playing together again with Phil Collins. It just, if you listen to the sound, it was very, just, it was very, for me, it was very disappointing. Hmm. Well, he had that, there was, uh, uh, the guitarist was Robbie Blunt, and he had played for, done session work with a lot of different uh, artists. Uh, one you would know the most is Tom Petty. Mm. He did a little bit of work with Julian Lennon. They had Paul Martinez on bass, who played with Cat Stevens, George Harrison, and Peter Gabriel. Mm. They had Jez Woodruff on keyboards, who was uh, with Black Sabbath. And then they had Phil Collins on drums, and also Cozy Powell on drums, who was with Rainbow, Ronnie James Dio. Was he also with Emerson, Lake, and Powell, that one version? Yeah. Sounds okay. like it. Yes. I was, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I was not particularly a Led Zeppelin fan when Led Zeppelin 
was out. Yeah. But I loved this cassette, and I played it in 1982 over and over, wore it out. Oh, this has a very good sound to it. Well, I, the, I'll, I'll be honest. I I thought that this was a Led Zeppelin song. Yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't familiar with the album, and I just assumed this was a Led Zeppelin song. Now, this sound does sound very similar to In Through the Outdoor. And yeah. uh, I, when I was waiting for this album, because if you were a Led Zeppelin fan at that time, you any hint of, of either... Page or Plant putting out an album, you were you were jumping mm. on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you'd think it would be automatic success. Sure. This is uh second song, and it's called Pledge Pin. It's got a great start here. Only time you can say Pledge Pin, all I can think of an Animal House. <laughs> Faithfully submitted. Pledge Pin. By Joe, was his first name? What's Nita Meyer's first name? Anyway, <laughs> the the previous song "Burning Down One Side" was their number one hit yeah. from there, and it made it to number three. And Pledge Pen did not go, did not do quite as well. Hit number seventy four, so it's a deeper cut. But I think to your point you made earlier, um, Rob, about Led Zeppelin, I, I'm the opposite of that. I was, I had Zeppelin everything. And was obviously devastated by the, the loss of uh, John Bonham. But this gave me, this and his next album, which of course is Principle of Moments, and of course yes. the, this gave me more, much more of an appreciation for his talent. Right. He wasn't just a front man. Right. He was a writer. He was a, you know, he did a lot he of He brought it all together. And I, every time, I think I've seen him in concert six times, and it was never disappointed. Solo, of course. Well, two of those were with, with uh, Jimmy Page when they did their tour in '95 and Yeah, Page Pan. Yeah, and that was phenomenal. Yeah, I saw that one too. And yeah, you're oh right. It was gosh, tremendous. Gosh, it, it was great. Very rockin' based, kind of Middle Eastern yeah. sound. But yeah, it was. It still sounded Led Zeppelin. But you know what, though, uh, Wayne, on that '95 tour when they had that Egyptian ensemble with him. He only did it on a few selections, but most of the time they were just rocking to some old oh, Zeppelin, yeah. and they was just incredible. To your point about when were they going to get back together, I can completely sympathize with that because when they got back together, those two at least, it was killer, and uh, they played all of my favorites. Yeah, I, I didn't never understood why they just sort of kicked John Paul Jones to the side. You know, we talked about Jason Bonham playing yeah. with them or something. You know, you can sort of have a Led Zeppelin, but they won't come back yeah. in that form at all. They, you know, they could have called yeah. themselves it's Led almost Zeppelin. like it's sacred. Yeah. Well, I, I think to that point, I mean, if you remember back with Celebration Day what was that 2007 or 2009 or whatever it was when they all got back together for the one show at the O2 Arena. Yeah. And they. That question was asked a page. Here you go, Brian. Oh, yes, we must, must, we must pause a moment for a sax. Jimmy Page basically said, Led Zeppelin was the four of us. It's not three of us. It's not two of us. It was the four of us, and there, there will not be a, a, a Led Zeppelin uh, ever again. I can appreciate that. Uh, but Brian. I think that also spoke... Of their loyalty to John Bonham, it wasn't. Oh, we can just fill him in with Collins or Phil Collins or Jason Bonham. They had that love and that's just something a, a tribute to yeah. John Bonham. Yeah. So I, I, to your point, I, I, I agree. I admired that. 
I missed this it. This saxophone. This is the same guy that played on Baker Street. How about that? Oh wow. Interesting. Yeah, his uh, his name's Raphael Ravenscroft. How about that? Okay. Listen to this. Here you go. Definitely moving here. Oh yeah. Well, I love in this the 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 uh, the percussion work and the the bass work in the background. It's I mean, really it is moving. rolling. Yeah. It is going. That's where you have to you know take your foot off the gas pedal because you're only supposed to do it 55 and you're up to 90. Right. That's right. Whoops. <laughs> but I can't cruise drive. Control. Back down 55. to cruise. Oh, back down to cruise control. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, third song pulling off of here is called Slow Dancer. It's a little slower, obviously, the name would imply. Sort of sounds like um, David Gilmore on the gu- guitar here. Yeah. This is very much like Zeppelin. This is probably, in my opinion, yeah. the song that sounds the most like Led Zeppelin. A little cashmere flavor to it. Yeah. Yep, there's a high riff. Yep. Yeah. Well, you've got that straight. One of the things that John Bonham did so well is it's just a straight four um, percussion work, you know, and just driving at a steady beat. And that's what you get in this song. That's a good point. The last one, the drums are just flying off the chain. Yeah. This one, it's just, it's like strong. You can hear the strength in it almost. And that's what I remember about Bonham is he he was just that straight, straight forward uh, percussion. And to go back to Led Zeppelin, I was a big Led Zeppelin fan. I had every single album. I mean, even Mm -hmm. Presence, even... The last album. Song that remains I, the same. No, I'm. Uh, yeah, I had song remains oh, the same. Oh, through the outdoor. No, I'm talking about the, the one where they kind of gathered all the hits at the end and just kind of threw it out there. And oh, was, I didn't get that yeah, one. So you're one ahead of me. Yeah, that was. But I, you know, I had all those albums, and then, unfortunately, we did not have a computer back then. And then you start reading stuff like, wait a minute, Led Zeppelin had a lawsuit against Willie Dixon, and they 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 took this song from them. We kind of talked about that on our prior podcast. And I started finding old blues albums because I, you know, the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and all these groups were doing blues songs. And I'd find these songs, and I'm going, wait a minute, here's a song, you know, in you know that was done by. Led Zeppelin. It says it was written by Paige Plant. It was. It was like, oh wait a minute, you guys stole that song, and because <laughs> it was in your record collection, you didn't think anybody would ever hear of this song from 1927 again. You know, it's in my time of dying. You know, nobody's break. fault but mine. <laughs> it was, it, and there's tons of other songs. I mean, Killing Floor, but they still said it was theirs. Of course. But it was their interpretations was tremendous. I have, I do say that. Well, they've got, but. Don't steal somebody else's work and say it's yours. They had a lot of innovations, though. I mean, you look at uh, the work that Jimmy Page did with uh, with Led Zeppelin, or before that, you know, with uh, the Yardbirds. With the Yardbirds, yeah, he uh, uh, he was quite innovative. And then, you know, with, with Robert Plant, uh, again, he's more than just a front man. You know, he's got the vocal works, but he's a, he's a very talented in his own right. Yeah, if you ever read the song, uh, what's it, the, the read the book Hammer of the Gods. It's a very easy read, and it it will it will tell you sort of what Led Zeppelin was like back then, and it it was mayhem. <laughs> Sex, drugs, I think and rock this and roll. this just I would have 
thought this was Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Oh, just listening to it. Definitely. I mean, it sounds it sounds like a, a number of their songs. Cashmere is the first that comes to my yeah, mind. Yeah, I think Cashmere. I think when the levee breaks, yeah. you know, it's got that that feel to it. Actually, Cashmere is the song Led Zeppelin wants to be known by. Yeah. That you know, they according don't to Robert st- Plant. Yeah. yeah. Stairway to Heaven. They they. Eh, that's not the song. Yeah. Cashmere is the song. Yeah, he really, and he wanted to make sure it sounded more original, but obviously he couldn't help it. <laughs> I mean, and think about the inspiration. Think about all these other musicians that got a chance to play with him. Oh, oh yeah. sure. And, and you know, put this together. Well, that's one thing, you know, when you are a super, you know, when you're a, a, in the stratosphere like that, Led Zeppelin, The Who, any of those folks you would think, you know, they can pull together a super group anytime they wanted to, you know. And I think we talked about that previously with John Lennon, you know, when mm-hmm. he decided to do his solo work, he could pretty much get anybody he wanted to. And, uh, you know, you see that over and over again. And clearly Robert Plant was able to pull some in, some fantastic musicians uh, into this solo work. It's kind of, um, it's got this mystery mystery about it I think yeah eastern influence yeah yeah in in July of 82 um, there were a number of uh, that was just a, that was a good summer for me you know you look back and you kind of yeah. think about what all was going on um, like I said, I had this cassette, wore it out. I know there were a lot of other big hits that were going on. You guys recall? Well, yeah, in July of 82, um, the big song was Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. Survivor. Yeah. So it was the movie Rocky Three. Yeah, exactly. And if you had a football team that was had a tiger in it, they played <laughs> it usually when the, when the team came out. At least they did for my Auburn Tigers. But you always had to guess when it was first coming on, is this Survivor Eye of the Tiger or is this Stevie Nicks, Edge of 17? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> they both close. have that same kind of a, yeah. a, a quarter or eighth note uh, riff in the guitar. Then you had Toto with Rosanna. That was their Rosanna, fourth Rosanna, album. Dana. Yeah. Well, and, of course, the big one that is popular now is yeah. – uh, Africa, yeah. Uh, I bless the rains down I, in Africa. I, I didn't like the the original, so Toto Four was an awesome. That was one. a really oh, good, uh, really good. I, on Toto, I like Hold the Line. That's a, that was about the only one I kind of. Yeah, that was off of their first one, I believe. Yeah, wasn't that it? Was, mm-hmm. you know, once again, kind of all session players there. Yeah. Uh, Fleetwood Mac had Hold Me. John Cougar, hurt so good. Yep, off the American Fool album. Yeah, that was before. It, Came John Mellencamp. Mm-hmm. He's still John Cougar, though. Yeah, after he was Johnny Cougar. Mm-hmm. That was a small paradise. That's one of my favorite oh, yeah. songs by him. Yeah. The Daz Band. We danced Daz it up band. to Let It Whip. And then we had the Steve Miller Band with the uh, Abracadabra. <laughs> uh, I hate to say it, but I actually liked that song when it came out. Uh, you know, I still remember you, you kind of covered R&B there. You know who was burning up the charts in the live of 82 was the Gap Band. Remember them? Yeah. Burn Rubber. Yeah. Early in the morning. I mean, that was 
Now, did they do You Dropped the Bomb on Me? Who did that? Yeah, there we go. They had uh, some phenomenal party music. I don't want to say what we said about that about that song, but happened to be about in the restroom. But <laughs> <laughs> Other news, Ozzy Osbourne marries his manager, Sharon. Sharon. <laughs> That's probably the best thing ever happened to that guy. Oh, yeah. man. Probably kept him alive. She was a marketing genius. Yeah. This next um, uh, cut off of Pictures at 11 is called Fat Lip. I can't believe it happens these days. Still can see it's got a very different feel. Yeah, it does. Sounds a little bit more almost folksy. Kind of dire straightest. Yeah, that's a good point there, Wayne. I like that. It's got some uh, pretty good lyrics talking about um, just basically times just slipping away and everything is going very quickly. The drum, the the percussion work, it sounds like a um, like a a, uh, a synthesized drum. Okay, interesting. You said that. Yeah. There's an article from uh, American Song- Songwriter magazine in 2018, and this is Robert Plant talking about Fat Lip. He says, I had the first Roland drum machine, which was before the TR-808. I wrote a track called Fat Lip with it, and I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. I thought, I've made it. I've slipped right the way through all that stuff that went on forever and ever, and here I am singing into a drum box, which is about 12 inches cubed. It's not very sexy, I must say, in comparison to John Bonham, but I thought it was great. (laughs) <laughs> so, so it is. So it is a synthesized drum. Yeah, it is a synthesized drum. I was not a fan of the synthesized drum, so. But did you like the electric drum? I, you didn't like that either? The car. Remember, the cars were big at the, using the electric drum. But I want to bang on the drum all day. Speaking of working, or not working, Robert Plant in July of 82 played in the second Princess Trust uh, concert, and that was in England, and he played it with Pete Townsend, Bill, oh. Co- Bill Collins, the group Madness, if you remember them. Oh, yes. Our house in the middle of our street. Exactly. Joan Armitrading and Kate Bush. Dang. Kate raising Bush. money for kids that kind of lost their way and and it was a prince charles thing and his fundraiser and try to get them back on track i like the mix of the two guitars here yeah mm-hmm. it's just very mellow which is probably not the best thing for i know uh wayne's gonna have to throw in something that's got a little bit more to it but uh, yeah, this is a little bit, a little bit mellow. It's a, it was a good one to just kind of hang out and just play in the background. This reminds me of some of Robert Plant's later work. You know, if you you think about um, you know Big Log or some other some yeah. of the ones that he would do years later, mm-hmm. you kind of you kind of see that um, that that flow. You know? Now and Zen. Yeah, exactly. had heaven knows. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, had a little bit of a sound like this. Right, we ought so to feature that. A, that was in 1988. This mm-hmm. is a really good album to kind of 
note that transition from Led Zeppelin to Robert Plant, isn't it? Agreed. Yeah, the future albums were a little bit more mellower. Now and Zen, obviously with the Zen part. Yeah, um, I think think Robert Plant is living in Nashville, Tennessee right now. Well, he has has gone country. (laughs) He's gone country. Um, yeah, you, you, if you see some of his work with Alison Krauss, yes. he's you know, very good. There many uh, Emmy, or, oh, yeah. or Grammys on that one, yeah. A friend of mine said he was out in Nashville one morning. He was there. I think he was staying in a hotel. And he went out for a run, mm-hmm. and he saw this guy walking his dog and said it looked like Robert Plant. Yeah. And it was. <laughs> and he just said, hey, how are you? And he goes, fine. He, he said, I'm walking, uh, I'm staying with Allison Krause. I'm walking her dog. She's out of town. I'm watching the house and walking the dog. <laughs> That's <laughs> tremendous. Rob walking somebody's dog. But yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, a lot of. That's got to be mean, an expensive dog walker, you know? Yeah. You know, he was on uh, with uh, you know the interview on Access TV with Dan Rather. Oh, yeah. If you get a chance to catch that, it is really, really good. Yeah, I saw that. It is tremendous. Well, if you can get it, Pictures at 11. It's got some great tracks on it. We just played four of them. I tried to get some of the deeper cuts, but uh, it's worth a listen. Download it. Pictures at 11 by Robert Plant from July of 1982. Well, thank you very much, Rob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great song. Good, Good pick. We're Good soon pick. to be going into our TV and music themes in a Our second. entertainment track. This is one that uh, we were trying to decide if it was nerds or geeks or what were some of the other terms we're trying to figure out that would know nerds this. geeks or dorks dorks that's what it was <laughs> and i'm afraid i think the word is trekker yes <laughs> <laughs> i'll have you know yeah yes. we don't go by the name of trekkies Mm-mm. oh it's a trekker okay it's trekkers. trekkers yes it is so what do, what do we have here what are we listening to if you don't know, then we just can't be friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this is the theme song to the greatest Star Trek movie. I think it was ever. popular. The popular uh, a poll was taken by the, the Trek fans that said that uh, Star Trek II was the most popular. Yeah. It was Khan. It was the Wrath of Khan. Star Trek II, the mm-hmm. Wrath of Khan. Yes, it was popular, and this was what really brought back the Star Trek franchise because they had the original uh, motion picture mm-hmm. that came out, and it really didn't do well. The V'ger thing, yeah, it was, yeah. It was so long. Odd. Well, it was. I it paid was money long, to see it, though. And they were doing the special effects and things like that, but they really weren't. They really didn't have a lot of action. No. And this one. It harkened back to, you know, of course, Ricardo Montalban, who was in the oh, yeah. original uh, series as Khan, and it was, you know, kind of a continuation of that story, and it just really worked. Welcome to Fantasy. Wait, that was a different, <laughs> that was a different Star Trek. A little, little different, uh, little different Ricardo Montalban. Now, if I remember, that summer of '82. Just had a lot of lot of summer hits. What oh yeah, yeah. We had well, you know, we already uh, covered. We talked about Rocky Three earlier, um, and that was uh, that was a popular movie at the oh, time. Oh yeah. Uh, remember Poltergeist? Ooh, Poltergeist yeah. was popular. That's yeah. still uh, one of the scariest movies. I, yeah, it's yeah. a good one. Definitely unsettling. Don't build houses where Indian mounds are. Yeah. And let's yeah. not forget Indi- about those Indian high, burial grounds in the high, swimming pool at South Florida. Uh, those high schoolers that doing all kind of summer or, or 
in school capers. Oh, uh, yes. Porkies. Porkies was big. There were, you know, uh, there were several science fiction movies. One, of course, is the one we're playing here, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. But one that a lot of folks will, will say is one of the best that have ever been made, The Blade Runner came out. Oh, yeah. Harrison they just, Ford. Huh? They just redid that one, too, didn't they? Uh, they did. And then the most popular uh, movie of the time, and for a long time was the biggest uh, the biggest hit you know, in, in the movies, was E.T., the extraterrestrial. Uh, that was in 82? That was in 82 as well. This music actually has a similar sound to me to, to E.T. Yeah. One of the most shocking Academy Awards was when E.T. did not win Best Picture, but instead it was, do you recall, in 82 that beat out E.T.? Was it, was it Tootsie? No. No. Oh gosh. What? No. It was the one with the uh, the runners. Um, Chariots of Fire. Chariots of Fire. Yeah. Sure yep. did. Oh, we're off to staff picks. This is Wayne's staff pick. Ah. Let it breathe here. Get the bass tr- picking up a little bit of the. Getting that waltz feel. This is kind of mellow for Wayne. A little bit. He's a man of many talents. It picks up a little bit. I like this. And what do you have to say? See, I told you it's picking up. Tell you about a dream that I have every night. This is the Alan Parsons Project. We, Our first podcast was the Alan Parsons Project. That's right. There it goes. It ain't Kodachrome. <laughs> yeah, the first one was in 77. This is 82. Yeah, five years later. But this is one of my favorite songs on it. I Break Down was probably my favorite one. This is probably my second favorite song. This is called Cycle Babble. And it's from the Eye in the Sky album, and it's that was a top ten album. Oh yeah. Uh, and in the top, and the title song went to t- top five. Um, if you've ever seen the album, it has an Egyptian eye on the cover. Yep. We Very talk, recognizable. We talked before about Journey how to have an Egyptian scarab. Right. Believe it or not, with the whole King Tut thing. All this Egyptian stuff was That's still right. kind of coming around. That's so. right. Steve Martin's song, King Tut. This was the sixth album by by them, and uh, it's sort of the last album to go platinum. So this is sort of when the prog rock kind of fades into the MTV era. Okay. So it, and you think about it, Yes came out with some songs, and they kind of changed. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously... We had uh, Rush turning into more of a synthesized sound. Right, they uh, went to uh, Signals in 83, I believe it was. And Elmer Gantry was the lead singer on this song. It wasn't either uh, Alan Parsons or... Uh, the Straubs is where, where uh, Elmer came from. Oh. So there... Now, Psychobabble, anybody know what it means? Uh, I, I don't care. It's all cycle babble crap to me. And it's babble. And <laughs> it's basically a form of speech using buzzwords to comp- to create an impression of truth. Ah. 
And are we not living in a cycle babble world right no now? No doubt. What we should bring true? that back. <laughs> really? Yeah, I like this track. This is this is what you think of with Alan Parsons. You know, you've got these Yes. They're they're kind of painting these sonic landscapes, aren't they? You can tell this is almost you can you can hear that in the Beatles when he was a, a producer on that. That's you know? right, Sergeant Pepper. So, yeah, exactly. You can, yeah, that it's almost like a callback to the you know, basically fifteen years earlier. Yeah. And we're back to the boom, boom, the piano. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, no sax. We'll let it go this time. Yeah, I like you mentioned, "Eye in the Sky" was the big the big one off of this so this is a deeper cut but this is great and you know he's got a lot of different kind of synthetic sounds that he uses and i really was into that when this came out Mm -hmm. now if you go back in the catalog of alan parsons you know eye in the sky and time are really a lot more mellow 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 than this so we i kind of go obviously on the more harder rock side but this is about as hard as rock as you get yeah. so, for Alan Parsons. But I enjoyed all the songs. It's just, you know, I wanted something a little bit more upbeat. Mm-hmm. It's just all psycho babble. So if you're out there, just yell at people. It's all psycho babble to me. I don't want to hear it. I'm creating, trying to, you're just using buzzwords. Great pick, Wayne. Thank you. Well, thank you. And we're continuing on in staff picks. And this is Brian. This Absolutely. I'm sure you recognize the riff by now, but if not, you're going to recognize the voice coming up here very shortly. This is the 1982 single hit by American rock singer Eddie Money. This is from his album No Control. The song was written by Eddie Money and Randy Oda, who's perhaps best known otherwise for his collaborations with former Creedence Clearwater Revival member Tom Fogarty. The song was released as a single and reached the top 20 on Billboard 100 and hit number one on the Billboard Top Tracks. Got some really good hooks oh, in, yeah. this, in this song. If you've ever seen the music video, it included elements from classic vampire movies with Eddie oh, Money yeah. cast as a quasi Dracula character. It was one of the most early, uh, popular early MTV music videos. Yeah, MTV was kind of, kind of a, a year on now, and you started getting some oh, yeah. some pretty good videos by this point. Yeah, the production quality certainly just skyrocketed. Yeah. But you, if you uh, if you know anything about Eddie Money, you'll know that he is a former L.A. cop who uh, would play in a band uh, on his off time, and they would play the, of course, the, the the L.A. Strip, you know, where all the rock bands would play, and his popularity just really people started seeing just instead of a, a a cop, they started seeing this guy as a true rock and roll musician, and um, so. He, he got this band together, as you can hear, just fantastic musicians. And uh, as his popularity began to skyrocket, also on this album you had Shaken, which I know some of you remember that. Not all of you remember that song. That was a great song. But 
Eddie also developed, unfortunately, a, a terrible coke habit. Yeah. And essentially, I listened to his interview on uh, Westwood, one, Westwood One Radio one night, and he talked about his coke habit was so bad that when he would go to rehab and he would come back home, he had to get rid of all of his glass furniture. Hmm. And that, that's, a, that's terrible, isn't it? You don't have any glass tables. Mm-hmm. You don't have any glass furniture at all. No mirrors. Well, what do you think he's going to do? If he sees glass, what he's going to think? Well, I can lay it down on the yep. deck and wow. snore enough of it. So. But he knows he's a, he knows he's a, you know, a, a, a coke addict and deals with it. And uh, he's, um, I forget the number of years now that he's been sober, but uh, he's, he's really fortunate to be alive. Yeah. Well, I saw him uh, about 10 years after this at a music festival, mm-hmm. and this is when you're on the kind of back end of the career, and yeah. he was really good, but there was probably only about 40 of us sitting there watching him when there was other groups on other stages. Yeah. Uh, of course, I was an old man watching it, so, you know, kind of grew uh, up yeah. with him. We're moving on to the next staff pick, and Bruce's turn. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for a What the Rip slogan. Now the party's <laughs> over. I'm so So this is the title track from Roxy Music's eighth and final album. Uh, Brian Ferry is on vocals. Uh, he's also the keyboardist and chief songwriter on this one. And uh, you've got bassists... Uh, Brian Ferry and bassist Graham Simpson, who was not on this, uh, formed Roxy Music in 1970. And uh, at this time, the band was Ferry, Andy McKay, uh, who is on saxophone, and Phil Manzanera on guitar. And then they had a number of session musicians. So, Roxy Music was uh, a little glam rock, a little new wave, a little electronic, a little punk. Uh, all of those things. By the time this album came along, uh, the sound is more sophisticated. It's more adult-oriented, more low-key. I love this. I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, Roxy music. I like it. I like it. It was recorded in Nassau, and um, this lady. Listen to this back. You'll hear this backing vocals. Okay, that lady is named Yannick Etienne. Uh, Brian Ferry heard her in the adjacent studio when he was recording this and invited her to sing on the song. Nice touch. Yep, yep. Now, in, in 1984, I, was, uh, I went to uh, the Governor's Honors Program, and uh, there were like 600 students that were over in Valdosta. And what I remember is we had dances about every week. But they never played any fast, any uh, any slow songs except for this one. I don't know what it was. I don't know if they didn't trust people to, you know, start just making out right there. I don't know what what the deal was, but they never played a slow song other than this song. And I bet when they played this this song, I bet the dance floor filled quickly. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> but it just gives you that feel of, you know, this is the end of the party. Everything is kind of winding down. And then this girl comes out, you know. It's it's just got that 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 vibe to it. Well, other albums that came out at that time, uh, Elvis Costello put out an album oh, yeah. in July of '82. He actually was popular at that point. You know, Elvis Costello tends to kind of do his own thing, but he really hit 
his style hit right at that time. Judas Priest had the Screaming for Vengeance. You got another thing coming. Probably could have played that song, couldn't I? Have? Could have. <laughs> yeah, Maybe I'm surprised later. you didn't. Yeah, really. Uh, Warren Zevon, America, Donna Summer, Billy Squire, Emotions in Motion. That's a, that's an album we've got sitting on the on the list to play soon. The Human League, Billy Idol's first album, Billy Idol, after Generation X. Um, Blackfoot, Kenny Rogers, Talk Talk. Talk Talk. Because that's all you do. All you do to me. And the punk group X. Pointing Sisters, Killing Joke, another punk rock group. I was going to make a bad, bad pun on, on yours, but with Brian Ferry, I always wondered if he ever gone at a at a gig and someone said, "Hey, don't pay the fer- ferry, <laughs> don't play man. the don't pay the ferry man." I blew that joke, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> nice try, though. A for effort. Uh, okay. A for effort. So now we're winding down to the last staff pick, and since uh, Brian, Bruce, and I have already done one, I guess it's Rob's turn. My turn. My turn. <laughs> This song's a little bit mellow as well. Nice piano work. Ooh. It is. I was just 34 years old. Now that you hear the voice, you know who it is. Absolutely. I know who it is. Who? <laughs> who could it be? This who is, are you? This is Pete Townsend. His hit Slit Skirts. When all the best cowboys have Chinese eyes. <laughs> I love that album name. <laughs> There are certain album names that jump out at you. That's one of them. It's kind of like uh, REO Speedwagon's uh, You Can Tune a Piano, But You Can't Tune a Fish. Yes. yes. Nice key change. Yeah, nice change. It's a great story. If you just look at the lyrics. Yeah. What's interesting is The Who had an album out a little bit later on this because I remember seeing The Who in 82. Another key change. Yeah, he goes through a few of those. And that's not easy to do. No one respects the flame quite like the fool who's badly burned. For those of you that didn't know what song this was, now you do. That's right. (laughs) Slit skirts. Or skirts that had a nice little slit in it, and they look good. Have to be so drunk to try a new dance. <laughs> you have to be drunk just to dance. Lots of key changes in this. There's a lot it? of key changes. So it starts really slow, but then it kind of gets going a little bit here. I want to tell you about the name of the album. Yeah. So he explained to Rolling Stone, basically it's about the fact you can't hide what you really like. I just had this image of the average American hero, somebody like a Clint Eastwood or John Wayne, somebody with eyes like slits who is basically capable of anything, you know, any kind of murderous act or whatever you get that was required. He was just talking about, you know, Clint Eastwood and John Wayne had Chinese eyes. Mm-hmm. They were slender. Squinted. Squinted. You mean yeah. like mine? 
<laughs> I got the beady eyes. So don't turn on me or I'll really get vicious. She thinks of me as him. This is a good line. Yeah. But unlike me, she doesn't work out her frustration in the gym. Nah, she this, uses a bottle of gin. <laughs> this was his uh, third solo album. I didn't realize he'd had that many. The big hit off of here was um, Face Dances, if you remember that. Yeah. Well, this was a big hit. Yeah. This is more of a rock hit. This is album oriented. This is when yeah. they just played rock. It didn't get the face dances. Was you're right? Was the bigger hit. And then of course they had Eminence Front and Athena on on the next. That's album right. For yeah. Zoo. So it's sort of was that in '82? Yeah. Yeah. And so they, the Who at the time, were kind of upset. Everybody kind of doing their own singles and not sharing them after Keith Moon died it kind of all kind of everybody kind of went their own way and you know it's sort of after the drugs but you know we haven't featured the who yet we need to do that uh, I've got that one coming trust me all right I've, I've got that one lock and loaded what year would you pick uh, I think it's 74 yeah that'll be fun and it's gonna be Quadrophenia my favorite who album yep This is a really good, really complex kind of song. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So you've got Townsend here playing by himself. Mm-hmm. We started off with um, Robert, Plant Robert Plant after Zeppelin. Yeah. yeah. Just to prove people can go on. So that'll round out our staff picks. You'll recognize this one as uh, it starts off. It's a good introduction. It's a great introduction tune for something like a fight or Monday Night Football or... It was used by the Chicago Bulls quite often during their championship run. Yeah, that makes sense. Starting the starting lineup with Michael Jordan. You can hear him coming in. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, they also played this um, during at the laser show. They had the laser show on Stone Mountain, and they would play this during the show it was pretty impressive and this is the alan parsons project we're kind of doing a boomerang here and coming That's back right. to it a little double dipping this is from the same album uh and this was actually the lead into eye in the sky mm-hmm. it went from here at the end we won't hear eye in the sky but that was the big hit the name of this is um serious are you serious I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, I see we've got our comedy. <laughs> Here we have it. So this would be a great this would be a great uh, tune if you want to uh, put it as an intro for something that you're working on. It's actually going to be our outro because this is the end of the podcast of What the Riff from July of 1982. We're glad you spent some time with us. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. I'm Bruce. And I'm Wayne. Hope you enjoyed. You've been listening to What the Riff? We hope you enjoyed riffing with us, and we invite you to visit whattheriff.com to find and download the music we had on tap today. You can also contact us and request an album that you'd like us to riff about at whattheriff.com. 
And if you get a minute, like us on Facebook and share us with your friends. Links are available on our website. Thanks for listening to What the Riff? Brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. Also, Marbury Creative Group. Tell it better. If necessary, use words. <laughs>